0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. Hey, today we're going to sit down and talk with... The Prince of Delta Blues It's is Keith Johnson We'll talk to him about his younger years growing up As the great nephew of Muddy Waters And about his own musical career as well Plus Michelle and I will talk about the latest headlines In the weekend roundup And if you'd like to be part of the show today Hey look, give us a call It's your show too 1-877-MPB-RING That's 877-672-7464 Or you can always email us at Marshall at mpbonline.org Hey, stay tuned This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
0: Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB Program Underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is Now You're Talking from MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, Thanks for being with us today. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, spring has sprung it's wonderful outside but you know you're spending some time with us and of course michelle and i are very very happy about that look hey look we have a great show today and we're gonna have well as usually the most interesting people and stories of mississippi today's guest is blues singer songwriter guitarist and harmonica player keith johnson now keith johnson's nickname well it's pretty cool it's the prince of the delta blues and we're gonna ask him where that came from uh, he's got a really cool family connections, so we'll touch on that in just a few minutes as well. And of course, we'll talk about him as younger days, starting out in music, and what's growing up, you know, being surrounded by blues legends. And of course, did I mention his great uncle was Muddy Waters? Oh yeah, that's the connection. That might be why he's called the Prince. But anyway, we're gonna have a great show. Um, but we'll welcome our guest a few minutes. Michelle and I are going to talk and kind of catch you up on some things that are going on around the world. By the way, I hope you've got your bracket done. Mm-hmm. I know. You know, I know just enough about basketball to be dangerous. All I do know is that Mississippi State and Ole Miss are both in the NCAA, exactly. and I think that's fantastic. And I'm happy. I'm very happy, and of course, because everybody else is happy.
2: I like it, to see Mississippi uh, excel. Well, I love I, to see Mississippi be first,
1: and I, I like it. my neighbors to be in a decent mood, <laughs> so that tends to help too. So, but that's cool. I mean, and you know, both had great seasons, and congratulations. Of course, Kermit Davis got named the SEC Coach of the Year.
2: That's pretty good that for your first good. year. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That was good. And um, to see the boys celebrating happy, that was really cool. Oh, yeah. The team.
1: Oh, they worked hard. They did. It's,
2: and that's what makes me feel especially as a parent of a basketball player oh my god see how much they work and how they condition and practice and then when it all comes together that makes you feel exactly oh Mm -hmm. no
1: but it's just now getting started Mm -hmm. so have you got your bracket filled out no i haven't either i've (laughs) you know i was like well it's already started is it too late yeah okay sorry but you know i usually make it at least about like 15 minutes into it, and then I'm, my bracket's busted. Yeah. So, But anyway, spring break is now officially over for most of the folks around the state of Mississippi. Um, for those of you who took trips last week, thank you, because that meant that traffic was a lot better.
2: It was nice. I was, I mean, it was amazing. Coming leaving, coming from work. Oh, my God. Going home? Oh, my goodness. I was like, I wish it could be like this forever. I wish
1: everybody was <laughs> on spring break all year round. It would be amazing. So It
2: was nice. It was nice. It was nice.
1: I obviously didn't go anywhere. You didn't no. go anywhere because we were here. <laughs>
2: I worked, but you know what? It was nice. I, I enjoyed it. My daughter had a good time. She had a great time with her friends the whole I week know. and stuff like that. So, you know, she just sometimes going places... It's more work than staying home, and then you're more tired when you get back. We went
1: to England and Scotland last year yeah. and for this you week. Get back- oh my gosh! It took me like three weeks to get over. it. <laughs> exactly. Still the best trip I've ever taken in my life. Sure, so sure, yeah, we're planning another trip, but we're not going to spoil that one oh. for next year. Oh. So it means basically I'm not going to get to eat out for the next year because <laughs> so I gotta got to start. paying I got to pay. Yeah. And, you know, you do that. And you're like, well, that's ten dollars I could put toward that. So
2: that is. And look how beautiful it is today. And yesterday, it's the sun gorgeous. Is out. Oh. oh my god. And
1: the pollen is great. I build a pollen man and, and build a pollen fort. And through pollen balls. Yeah, and I didn't take my medicine today. So, this show may go off the rails at any moment oh my uh, as goodness. my nose turns into stalactites. So, it could get pretty ugly. Well,
2: my car, I was going to wash it yesterday. Uh, realized it was getting a little late and I didn't get to do it. Yeah. So, I'm driving around with a little pollen car today. I mm-hmm. don't like that. Um, may get to it this evening.
1: Yeah, my son's learning that maybe that idea of getting a black car wasn't the best idea ever. Oh, he, <laughs> he, he went and washed it. I'm proud of him. He washed it on his own yesterday, not without dad helping him. So, I I was kind of I feel like maybe a, he might survive on his own but yeah he washed it and it, I went out this morning and it was already covered again
2: see I'm glad mine is under the garage but that's what scares me it, it will be nice for a few hours and then when you come to work it sits outside and when you leave work at five then your car is yellow again oh, so it, what's the point I'm like I'm. I'm not gonna wash my car every day. I'm, I'm not, not gonna, gonna cut
1: watch. my grass either. I mean, it can. <laughs> I'm gonna buy a goat and let the goat take care of it for at least about another month until this. This well, we tackled.
2: Week. Well, we'll tackle ours this weekend. I'm so glad he did that. It looks so nice driving out of your driveway and a. I mean, manicured lawn. It just feels so he good. He
1: could have come to my house. He could. Of course, I could have technically gotten my, because I had a whole house full of boys mm-hmm. all week. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, you had to help. I did. I had to help there. I don't know why. They would have died. Look, it.
2: we did not come to your house for a spring break to cut grass. Oh, my God. I know.
1: See, that's like when I was growing up, my grandfather, the one that I share with my famous cousin, Dave Ramsey, that does the <laughs> financial stuff, I would go on spring break up there and he'd say, he'd look at me and he'd go, are you ready to build a seawall? I mean, it was like always some project with him. So, so I, I kind of don't do that to my kids oh, that much. Okay. I mean, I make them work. Don't get me wrong, but I don't make them do it on their, their vacations. vacations I know. But I think... Prob- That's cruel. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, the best moment for me on spring break was having all the kids under one roof.
2: And it was fun. I mean, sometimes chaos is really fun and you know a lot of people that's well, why. my son's
1: not gonna be home for five more weeks right. so I mean you know this was kind of nice
2: and um someone was asking me what do you do when Jordan's away with her friends and I thought about it my life actually it's around it's it, it, it's about her so I should go do some uh, when stuff. she
1: goes to college you better hope she goes here to Jackson I, I'm State. pushing for that I'm yeah. pushing
2: for that I'm put. she wants to go to MSU of course mm-hmm. uh so I'm pushing for in-state
1: oh you'll move to Starkville you will <laughs> She was like, no, Mom, you can't live in my dorm with me. This is
2: what I told her about Jackson. I'm like, if you play basketball at Jackson State, I mean, we could be together and I can come to all the games. <laughs> I don't think that was a a good uh, sale on going to Jackson State. Oh, I know.
1: I mean, I've always accused Amy of moving wherever that my oldest moves, that she'll probably end up moving there. You really? know, I, I hope I'm with her, you know, and that yeah. sort of thing. But, yeah, but it was nice. It was just they they went on it was kind of cool because my son the other two two of the boys were from Texas so they go to school with him so that was kind of neat they actually got to go and go visit stuff and he got to show off Mississippi they went to Vicksburg and so on that so that was that was kind of fun for him too but yeah a lot of stuff going on and, and you know um, the big shooting that happened this week or last – gosh, seems I'm trying to think of how many – I guess it would technically be last week in New Zealand. And, you know, I mean, our heart goes out to the, the folks in New Zealand. And, you know, the sad thing is here in America, it's almost like we've gotten so numb to it because it's sadly happens so often. But – um I know a couple of folks down there and it's just, they were kind of telling me that just the, the complete country is in a state of shock right now. So, um, our heart goes out to our friends down in New Zealand. It's just really, really tough. And, you know, you kind of wonder, it's like, wait a minute, it's are things, the wheels starting to come off of things, you know, when you start seeing, um, the guys that did it, and you don't even want to to give him any more credit or publicity than he's getting. But I got to tell you, um, some of the stories of, of, uh, heroic action that were taken by the people in the mosque, you know, that was, you always wonder, it's like, what would I do in this situation? And so our heart goes out to them, too. We've Got a great guest today and looking forward to talking to him. We're going to get him on the air in just a few minutes. We're going to talk to the, the Prince of the Delta Blues, Keith Johnson. You know, I always love talking to musicians because musicians have got these great stories. Not only, I mean, not only are they are great songwriters and, and great singers and performers, but to get to where they are and get to, you know, cause it takes so much effort. You know, a lot of people think that walls are put up to keep you out, but really walls are there to, well, you to see how bad you want something. And so usually these, these guys and, and gals or whatever, they just, they really honestly, they push past barriers that a lot of us would have stopped at. So because they've got a dream and I tell you our, our guest today, Keith Johnson um, has got a great story. He's 23 years old. And he's already performing all around the world with his, and he's really, really talented. So look forward to talking to him today, too. So Michelle and I will interview him in a second, too. So that's. I, I that might be a good time to take a break. Let's take a break. That would be good. Hey, thanks for listening. We're always glad you're, you're part of it. And if you want to be part of the show, give us a call anytime. We'll get you on the air. You can ask your question. You can help interview. That's, that's the deal, okay? You can ask questions that maybe I forget to ask. That number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
0: business requires smart decisions every day make a good decision for your company today and reach mpb listeners through mpb program underwriting for more information go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting you're listening to now you're talking with marshall ramsey on mpb think radio
1: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and you are listening to Come to Mississippi by the prince of the Delta Blues himself, Keith Johnson. And he is joining us today. Keith, man, welcome to the show. It's so good to get to meet you.
3: Hey, how are you? Glad
1: to be And, I, I mean, I tell you what, um, I listened to the album a little bit over the weekend. Uh, man, home run. I mean, they're mostly originals. I think all but one song. I mean, congratulations.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. all of my the songs, except uh, the Muddy Waters cover that I did, and that's the uh, same thing that Willie Dixon wrote. And I thought it was appropriate to kind of do a tribute to Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon, uh, both being from Mississippi, being Mississippi Blues artists and songwriters.
1: That's right, and I think also, too, the Muddy Waters has a really special connection with you, and I think you need to share that with everybody because I think that's really a cool part of the story.
3: Oh, yeah, it's cool and and exciting being the great-nephew of Muddy Waters. Um, Muddy Waters is my great-grandfather's brother. Um, They share the same father with Ollie Morganfield, and my great-grandfather's Fred Morganfield. Um, Both brothers kind of grew up in the Delta in this rural area. Um, Muddy Waters being from Queen Sharky and of County, Rolling Fork. That's in that area, and Fred see my great grandfather, growing up uh, more and kind of as a Queen of towards towards Bellwood and by Glen Allen, where I grew up.
1: Yeah, well, Keith, where were you born? I mean, what part? What part of the Delta were you born in?
3: Well, I was I was born in in Greenville, but soon after that, you know, we were in Glen Allen, and I was practically raised in Glen Allen, and i um, by the levee, um, by the Mississippi River at Vailwood. Um, it's another small town, Greenbrook, outside of Glen Allen as well. But everything was basically consumed in Glen Allen.
1: Yeah, so you were basically so you you just kind of grew up surrounded by family, and that was all you knew. That was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. Uh, you know, my mom, dad, my great-grandmother, uh, my great grandfather, um, all those people were around. So I just grew up around uh, family, my siblings and you no know, aunts and uncles. So and we had I had a music background from you know my grandmother. She was a radio host on ninety four point three in Greenville, and every Sunday morning she would get up and do this radio show, and I I, I went got up in the morning. I was about maybe five, six, seven years old. I got up in the morning and I went with her to the radio show, and it was a gospel show. So um, she did uh, traditional gospel music. She had a quartet, a gospel group called the Lake Washington Summer Knit. Her name was Texo Fields, and the group was Texo Fields and the Lake Washington Summit Knit. Um, and she, after we left the broadcast station, uh, we went to church. And that was kind of, that was the light then. So my music was basically gospel music. That's what I knew. And besides that, it was watching The Temptations, listening to folk tales. So I, I didn't have any kind of desire or anything to really sing the blues because it it never came across.
1: Me. Yeah, but that, I mean that was kind of. But you you got your start. You were surrounded with it. Did you start with a guitar, or I mean, how, when did you start figuring out that you had musical talent?
3: Well, I'm growing up going to church with that grandmother of mine. Um, she took us to church, and that was a guitar player there. And I knew him, but and I liked the sound of the guitar. That was the only instrument in that church that kind of stuck out to me. And basically, because it was the lead guitar, and it kind of pushed yourself out. You could hear it. Right. Those um, guitar licks and everything, you could hear. Um, but that was about eight, nine, and I decided that I wanted to play the guitar maybe at about 15 and 16 years old. Because between that period of me hearing that guitar, like I love to do that sound. Between the period of me saying, okay, now I want to play the guitar. Between that time, I didn't have a desire to even play the guitar. Between that time, it was like it almost came back to me. After after she passed away, it was like all of those sounds and everything came back to me. I was like, maybe I should really do this. And that's when I started asking for a guitar lesson.
1: Well, oh, they obviously paid off because I mean you're a fantastic guitarist. Whose style do you did you really uh, did admire, and you say, you know what, I want to sound like that person?
3: Well, the first that well, since I was playing gospel music, uh, it was kind of hard trying to try to get a style because they didn't allow us to, the Church I was going to, they didn't allow you to play blues licks or anything related <laughs> to them. Right, world. but I was kind of doing that at uh, my mother's. Mother's house, uh, my maternal grandmother. I was doing that at her house. Now she was listening to something Soul, so then she'll sure put on BB King. Right. So my first thing was I need to learn licks, and of course, if you're going to learn licks, and you think of blues, let's learn some BB King licks. So I really wanted to nail those BB King licks down. But then, as I began to you know get older and get get more into the blues, I just I started listening to uh, you know more Albert King. And then, as um, I got into actually uh, having a career as a blues artist, that's when I went on to the muddy water style and listening to the Chicago style and the Delta style.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, kind of explain about what the impact of growing up in Mississippi had on that, because it seems like you know when I I grew up in Georgia, for instance, in a completely different music scene over there. Was that what kind of pushed you toward the blues, or at what point did you say, you know what, I I want to become a blues singer?
3: Well, um, at Delta State, not the ch- um, I was playing the guitar. Right. 16, 17, so I graduated from Riverside High School, and I went to Delta State for the Delta Music Institute. And since I was a guitar player, um, I got into this thing called Old School Review. And we did uh, we did mostly soul music, kind of. Uh, maybe a little blues, a little uh, power team. But we did a lot of Tyrone Davis and songs and stuff like that. A lot of old school music. So being in that band, and once they, the university discovered the Muddy Waters Connection, and they told me, we were going to Los Angeles to play at the Grammy Museum, and they told me, well, you have to sing Hoochie Coochie Man. And it was my first time singing, really singing a blues song. The best time, first time singing a blues song. But I already had the traditional voice for it because of the gospel background. Yeah. So I had the voice. So I said, blend in and sing it, and I had the feel already. And I had the feel from the guitar playing gospel music. So when it was time for me to perform Hoochie Coochie Man, and it knowing that blues song, it was so easy. It was like the song was over so fast, I was like, I need some more of this, like this. So I said, what I need to do is sing the blues. And what inspired me to continue to do it is wherever I went, people wanted to hear Muddy Water songs, but I started to go places and some people would see me and think, well, he's Muddy Water's nephew or he's Muddy Water's nephew and they would do every Muddy Water song you could possibly think of to prevent me from singing the Muddy Water song. <laughs> oh, yeah, it happens. just like that. Yeah. They would do that. They would say, okay, well, what's he going to sing? Now, you know, people test you and do different things like that, but I said, well, I'll write my own song. That's what I'll do. And now, When I get on stage, you know, I can do one Muddy Water song and everything else is King Johnson. Right. But I keep keep the traditional feel because I love the style, so I keep the feel of it. Like if you listen to the song on the album, Best I Ever Had, it has slide guitar, and harmonica in it. So I try to keep that traditional sound because my voice fits it.
1: You know, but in, in a way, Keith, I, I'll be honest with you. But those people messing with you by playing muddy water songs—that was actually turned out to be a huge blessing for you because it kind of pushed you off into your own, your own area.
3: It did. It did. It kind. It kind of pushed me because people, excuse me, people were questioning me and asking all types of questions, and you know, trying to see what what does Keith Johnson has, right? Right. And what a lot of people don't know is that. When I started playing music, when I first picked up a, a good part, I mean, I knew that, and I because I heard it. You know, we, uh, Muddy Waters was our uncle. Awesome. Like I, I heard my grandfather say it all the time, Uncle Muddy. When we uh, when people performed at uh, Delta Bar Fest and just that's in the center of Rolling so I knew it. I knew it, yeah. but I still had my own style from the beginning. It wasn't completely well. This is the only person I'm, I want to be, Muddy Waters, or uh, copy him. I already had my own style, so right? It, it, it was really easy to me transitioning.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the, I was going to ask you. Number one, um, Delta State had a great music program up there. So I know that app, that helped shape you a lot too. But how did you pick up songwriting?
3: I think I had a natural, just a natural. I have a natural gift just to write songs. Yeah, the, and writing. Period. I, I just want to say songs. Right. Period. Because I can remember being in second and third grade and writing a two, three page book. Wow! Just don't just to be doing it. Yeah. And then in seventh grade, before I wasn't even a musician in seventh grade, and I remember writing this gospel song. Um, I I wrote uh, Riverside High School school song. I wrote this song in about fifteen minutes when they announced it in the first period, and I won the prize for writing that song. They have a plaque. And I had some other things to go along with. They had a newspaper article, so writing was just that's just something I knew that I could do. I mean, I know I can do easily. Coming to Mississippi, I believe I wrote that song in about five minutes. at tops didn't change anything. So if uh, before we recorded the album, I needed five songs, five or six songs to go on the album, I just went home and wrote thirteen songs and just picked them. And it was. It's not hard.
1: Well, I mean, you do, and you do it well. I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out because I would say that the album's great. In fact, um, we're going to play songs as we come in and out of the, out of the the breaks, so that'll that'll be fun, so people can hear a little bit about what you're doing. But you know, I mean, that's cool. You're out on the road and you're playing a little bit of. I mean, you suddenly say, "Hey, look, this is this is about Mississippi. This is about where I live." I was going to ask you though, where do you come up with the ideas for? I mean, because. You know, when you think about blues singers, usually you think about people like, you know, your great uncle, you know, of that era and what they went through and everything. Where do you come up with the ideas for, for, I mean, what do you tap into to come up with the topics that you write about?
3: Well, for example, come to Mississippi. Like, I I know I'm from Mississippi, so in my head, I'm like, I study before I write. I need to know what I write. So at first I study and I take Okay, come to Mississippi. So let's talk about blues artists from Mississippi. And let's talk about, you know, hit songs that they have. And let's put this in the scene. So when I talk about the club scene, uh, BB in the corner playing the thrill is gone, um, Smoke in the Air, when I talk about all of it, I use those songs and I use that thing, and I kind of put it in a setting. So I'm kind of painting a picture. When I talk about the best I ever had, um, that goes out to... Out of all the women in the world, you know, out of all the hurt and the pain and everything that yeah. happened, you know, you still the best one I ever had. So don't feel bad. I'm leaving you something. So it's all about stories happening. And to me, you don't have to be 50 or 60 to have this story. <laughs>
1: That's now. right. It's universal.
3: You're right. Yeah, it is it, universal. I mean, if a, if a toddler dog dies and that toddler is hurt, yeah, if that toddler could form the word. They would write a song about the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny. Hey, uh, Keith, this is Michelle. How you doing?
3: He doing spoke a little you? bit earlier.
2: Uh, I got a question about your experience at Delta State University. Now, like I said, did you major in music when you were at a Delta State?
3: Well, it's, it was um, entertainment industry study, so it was more about the music business and not just, you know, um, looking at kind of the notes and forming music and stuff like that it, it was more of a entrepreneurship side business side and then but i studied the audio engineering side but we talked about uh recording and and tracking and um different things like that kind of plug-ins what software to use uh
4: right
3: techniques we talked about all of it
2: that was smart and, um, and, uh, yeah,
3: first-hand experience
2: yeah you
1: got right. an MBA also right
3: Yes, sir. Um, I just my just congratulations. <laughs> right
2: now, you were the um, blues ambassador when you were at uh, the Delta State University. Tell us about that experience before we go to break about being the blues ambassador.
3: Well, uh, at Delta State, I was maybe the only guy. Really, I mean, there were a few other guys playing, it. but kind of being the front runner and the front person of the blues. I remember being in that um, the band the my All Star, Delta Music Institute, the program I was in, and we had to open for the band Perry. And I had and once again I was on the Muddy Waters song the Hoochie man song. And that was kind of my first reaction of people coming up to me saying, Hey man, uh was that you like you were even what you did was better than what everyone else did. And I don't know if they were talking or not like you were better than under the actual band Perry. Oh, like, okay. Right. <laughs> so, wow. But yeah, I, I just I was like, okay, because it, it was nothing. I was doing it for ease, and then I found myself coming into well, I, my the pastor of my church was coming into Cleveland. and He seen my face on the billboard, and it was like four billboards in Cleveland, going north, south, east, and west, with my face on it. Wow. And, uh, with the blues in Cleveland, and that those billboards stood up about maybe. Three, four years straight running. So people knew me that, and that kind of, they helped my fan base, and um, really did help my fan base, and popularity went up. So people seeing me, they seeing me as kind of the chilling, circling, and running and playing, but they also seeing me on that billboard holding a guitar.
4: Well,
1: you are really smart too to go after the business side of that because of the way the music business is changing like it is. I mean, you already knew how to play and how to perform and how to entertain and write and all that, but to be able to be able to be successful on the business side of it, and I'm, so far in your career, you, it's showing. I mean, you're you're making really a lot of really great steps. I mean, you how did you figure that out so quickly that you needed to figure out the business side first?
3: Well, um, uh, Brenda and Linda, my manager, they asked. Me- they act, they're actually the reason that I'm playing the blues. Yeah. They're really the reason that I'm actually playing blues because even in 2015, after doing the, uh, the hoochie-coochie man and after all of this, yet I'm still a college student. And blues, being a blues artist, is, but I got out of the band because of my classes. So being a blues artist never even crossed my mind. So they're kind of the reason. And... When they uh when they discovered me and they asked me, you know, did I have any managers and did people um uh, were people helping me and I was like, No, 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 I'm just trying to do my work and graduate <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. And they kinda of pushed me towards the business side and they kinda of molded me and stuff I already knew. They were kind of putting it in my face as an reality. You know, you have to own this, you have to have this, you must understand this, you must know your work, you must know this. So they, and uh, set this up, make sure the uh, songs are copyrighted. And, and they kind of put all of that in my head. And on top of what I do in the book and on top of you know what they're putting in my head, it kind of pushed me to, okay, you really need to know this. And I'm watching the news and on the Internet looking at uh, uh, news that artists are kind of being screwed, rather. And people are stealing their music or they're not copyrighting their music. They're doing small stuff that will hurt them long term. And as we know, blues are just like such as Muddy Waters and people like that, I know those guys, you know, they're still in kind of battles now, even today probably. Uh, People are trying to get right back to their music. Right. And I just, I didn't want to be one of those people. And I going to have everything handled on the front end. So 30 or 40 years from now, you know, I wouldn't have my children wouldn't be struggling trying to obtain something that you know just rightfully mine anyway.
1: Exactly, you'll have health insurance <laughs> when you're 75 years old. So exactly. <laughs> Hey, Keith, we're going to take a quick break, and when we we'll return, we'll continue our conversation with you. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can give us a call. It's your show, too, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can email us at Marshall at MPB Online. We're going to go out with Let's Dance. Let's listen to that. That would be great. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
4: She got real mad, said she wanted to go. I said, baby, are you even in the mood? She said, I'll show you what I want to do.
0: MPB would like to thank Daniel Coker, Horton, and Bell, and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org/underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
4: Young boy, fifteen years old. See, I'm living in a world that was so doggone cold. Then I met the blues. Now I'm twenty-three. See, I didn't choose the blues, don't you know?
1: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Thinker Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and you're listening to blues singer, songwriter, guitarist, and harmonica player Keith Johnson. And, of course, that's the first track off of his new album. This is the song, Blues Chose Me, which I think is a perfect song to start the conversation with this segment because, uh, Keith, to be honest with you, blues did choose you. I don't think you had a chance.
3: Yeah, it it did, the blues. And I wrote this song kind of to answer questions. Right. that people had, you know, why are you sing the blues? You're too young. You do this, you do that, <laughs> uh, and I just wrote a song and said, "Well, the blues showed me, right?" So if you want to talk to anybody about me singing the blues, talk to the blues about it, exactly. Because you know, I never, <laughs> I never asked to sing the blues.
1: Well, we talked about your time at Delta State and about your time in Cleveland and all around near Greenville and. Man, you've been all over the place. You were traveling with our friend Grady, um, with the Grady Champion Blues Band, and, I mean, you got to go all over Europe. What was that like, and what was the reception that you had over on the continent?
3: Well, starting off, i um, playing with Grady. Um, I did my internship with Grady Champion. That's a good person right. to
1: have an internship with, by the way. And Grady, you know, Grady's yeah. so he's so laid back. No, he's not laid back at all. I'm just kidding. Yeah,
3: he, he, I just said i agree with you. I know we were both kids. But, <laughs> but, but being with Grady, you know, that was an experience. Mm-hmm. Grady, Grady knows like, so much about the business. It's almost, you know, incredible when you're listening to him. Yeah. And he's very you, you know, I, I taught myself this. I read this. I did that, I did this. And, and you're so impressed with what Grady does and what he brings to the table. And as an entertainer, <laughs> he's an incredible entertainer when it comes to his showmanship on stage, how he communicates. And that kind of, Grady told me, he said, I'm going to show you how life on the road works. Oh, wow. And that's and that's exactly what he did. I can remember, um, I couldn't even drive. And what Grady did was, he put me out on the road. We were in North Carolina, not North Carolina, and we were in Delaware, and he had his trailer. And he was like, you're about to drive this, uh, the van with the trailer. And everybody in the van was looking like, what? No. I not oh, great. And he was like, yeah, I'm about to teach you. I'm going to stay up with you and I'm going to show you how to drive with this trailer and trailer. He, he was the first person to ever do that. And, um, and till this day, you know, Gray will help me out if I need you know, him. He'll, he'll be there. And he always tells me I'm to be able to help. And that's my job. So being with him was a great experience and, and to go to playing overseas on my first European tour, um, with Fred, with Fred Latour, me and George Moffert, uh, best friend of mine. He's the, my, the drummer for the Big Muddy band. I mean, the bass player. But, funny story, when we went overseas, he just was going, just to be going. But I brought two guitars, and George played rhythm guitar for the first time in his life on that tour. For the first time ever and and that kind of helped me out because i kind of george knew the music he knew the music so he helped the band out um the bass player and the drummer uh he held down the rhythm guitar and the crowd every night we had to do an encore they loved it they, Oh, that's they, great! I, i'm sure you'll be back i'm sure i know you have to be back like you're the greatest thing that we've seen and you don't know how much potential you have you know to take over the blues world and I'm humble. I'm like, okay, no, I understand. Thank you. Thank you for supporting. And just when we when we would even get off the van to go to venues, people would be there waiting with pictures of me that they grabbed from Facebook. And I'm signing autographs. Wow. It was crazy. Like a guy was there with maybe five or six of my Facebook pictures. They printed out and he waited on me and George to arrive. Stopped us at the van. And that was down. Okay.
1: That's a, that. I mean, that's incredible. You know, I've I've talked to so many Mississippi musicians that have played over in Europe, and they just said that people are just absolutely insane, crazy about the blues. They love it, and, yeah. I'm, and I love hearing that for you. I mean, that's great.
3: And yeah, they are they are, are insane about it, and it's because um, they like what kind of when you want the real thing, right? Kind of you know, being from Mississippi, being a Mississippi blues artist, you know, growing up in a poor rural area and just kind of the what you can to make something. And it's giving you this story. And aside from this story, it's giving you this feel. Because what you're thinking about and what you're feeling is real. It's not like you're you know, repeating what somebody else did and, and you can't relate. Right. Like, it's a real story. And I was looking at something um, just the other day. When it was uh, one of my uh, my keyboard slash organists, Charles Ross. He posted that when people come to a show, I mean, it, it's fine that you can, you know, play a thousand links or, but they come to feel something. And that, and that's kind of my motto. If I can get someone to feel something, if I can break the music down, throw my vocals out, you know, so they can feel it, where I'm coming from and feel our sound. You know, we've done our job.
1: Yeah, you're doing it well, too. I mean, by the way, congratulations about the International Blues Challenge this year. Um, Let's see, you did it in 2016, and you did it again this year. Talk about that experience, because it it turned out pretty well for you. Well,
3: the first time when we did it, um, we were just getting into the business. I had maybe three, four original songs that I just kind of threw together. And the band that we had, my bass player, was unable to travel. So George, the drummer, had to play bass. And I got two other guys with me, Bill uh, Grant and Joe Eagle. And we kind of just, really, it was just, don't want something, kind of just to put ourselves out there. But this time, when I came back, you know, I had a full band, I had the guys, we had the album, and um, the energy, everything was there. I had just came from overseas, so I knew. I, I knew how to operate, I knew how to control the crowd. Um, I knew how to perform consistently. I had the energy. Everything was there. And this and this year, you know, we made so many connections and so many people just, you know, you guys should have warned why people are still talking about it today. But uh, I just look at it as a great opportunity. Um, we're young. You know, everyone is 27 and under. So we can always go back and do it again, um, do a better show. I you know, just take it to another level. So it, I think that there wasn't anything that we could have done that could have enhanced the show. But just with being in the business and growing, growing as artists and feeling each other more, uh, we'll go back and we'll uh, take a shot at it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, how do you process all this? Like you said, you're you're pretty young, I mean, 23, and you've already had some incredible success. I mean, how do you you just sit down some days and just kind of pinch yourself and go, this is, this is exactly what I dreamed it would be?
3: Yeah, I kind of think, well, you know, this is reality, but uh, we, have a, um, we have a long ways to go in this business. And, right. And to me, when people kind of, you know, resent you almost, you know, that, that's really a good thing to me. Because if nobody's doing that, that means they're not doing anything great or you're not pushing.
1: Right.
3: So, but do that, you know, that it, get, it motivates you. And then just alone, I'm, I'm still I'm working on different stuff all the time. Um, I done um a film with um kind book of white um I just recently did that played book of white mm-hmm. um, I've done a film playing robert Johnson and a variety I have my MBA, so I'm working on different projects uh with the delta center for culture and learning um, at delta state University I'm working there as a project assistant and we're working with the um, national heritage area and national Park service and His different projects we're working on, and still just trying to find my niche. You know, even I even tried to write a a fictional book, just different stuff, do a little ventriloquism. Oh, wow! Yeah, so it's whatever. I'm basically, I know I can play music, I know I can write songs, but I kind of want to be diverse and branch out to do different stuff because the thing is. People have different talents, and some of them they
1: haven't unlocked yet. Right, and also too, it's like the whole parable of the talents. You use your talent, and you get more talents, and that's kind of oh, what yeah. sounds like it's going on with you. That's it. Yeah, talk about okay. Speaking of talent, your of course your your first CD's out it's come to Mississippi. Um, you know, we're, we've been playing some of the songs from it. Like I said, I listened to it over the weekend; it's fantastic. Uh, t- how did that come about? And talk about the recording of it, and and you know how long it took you to write the songs and so forth.
3: Well the recording uh well well we'll start off just with writing the songs.
1: Okay.
3: Um the writing the songs, uh, that was the, once again, that was the easy process. I knew I knew what I wanted because I had thirty songs already written. So basically I was just looking through it, grabbing it, and okay, will this fit will this fit with music go for this? And that was the kinda the easier part. But I would say the hard part was I was used to singing live. Yeah. Having live vocalists, but recording at the uh, Mississippi State University at the BB King Record Studio. Uh, we were on the Alfonso, Dr. Alfonso Sanders, um, Jimmy Lee, and I had the Big Muddy Band. And those are guys that I grew up with um, fraternity brothers, friends, God brothers of mine. Those are the people that recorded with me in the studio. And that was the hard part for me, so getting everybody. On the same page, and to to capture the sound in the studio that we have on stage, right? And that being in the studio is a different animal than doing live music. Well, let's let's uh,
1: listen to. We'll come back and talk about this after the break. But let's listen to "Forgive Me, Baby" from the album, just to give everybody a feel what what they should expect when they get it. So we're going to take our final break, and we'll return. We'll wrap up our conversation with blues singer and songwriter Keith Johnson. If you want to call, give us a call 877 MPB ring that's 8776727464 or just now you're talking on MPB think radio me, baby,
4: For the wrong I've done For the wrong I've done Without you by my side, baby This race is hard to run I said I was sorry,
3: babe
4: for the two-way love
0: affair. Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
1: You're listening to the Prince of the Delta Blues Keith Johnson We've been talking with him today This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio Keith, man, I tell you what We were talking a little bit about you recording your album Something you really touched on And I think you did a good job listening to the album You said you tried to catch the, the flavor of the live show On the recording How hard is that to do? Yeah,
3: it, it, It's hard Because I was in a separate room From the band In this particular studio I was separated from the band like so, it was I didn't see him. I could only hear him. Um, there was no connection. It was like right me singing over a track. So that feel I really had to find that feel. And this, um I had a guy Jimmy Lee. He was helping me with my vocals, kind of, you know, doing different ranges of it. And that was different for me because you know when I was singing songs, it was cover songs. And whatever that vocalist did, that's what I did.
1: Right. And when it
3: came to my own song, it was like, well, you have to do something that you know how to do. You have to make something unique for yourself. And it, it was just so much going into, uh, and, and it takes a lot to create a project, you know, an album. An album is a lot of work, you know, getting that feel, getting that sound, getting those words correct, and and talking about something. You know, the story. That's very important.
1: What didn't now? Where did you record? Because I think where you recorded was was historic in its own right.
3: Yeah, uh, I recorded at Mississippi Valley State University. Okay. Uh, at the BB B. King uh, Record Studio, but uh, now come to Mississippi. Now, and a lot of people may not know this. Come to Mississippi. That's the only song on the album that was recorded at Delta State University at the Delta Music Institute. Everything else was recorded at Mississippi Valley State. And we also had uh, the bass part, So the bass parts on that song were redone at Coors Studio. So uh, this particular project, because it was new and we were trying to pull things together, um, they had the bass recorded over here. Come to Mississippi, it was recorded in Cleveland Adult Delta State. Um, we had the rest of the band recording at Mississippi Valley State. So we had to bring all these projects together and put them in pro tools and in the files back and forth to do this thing and that was I was new to it so it was a difficult process to do and the album came out we recorded Spring Break of March and we didn't release the album uh, Spring Break 2017 and we didn't release the album to uh, maybe about February 2018 February uh, you know, February beginning to March so that was almost a year and First to me, it shouldn't have taken that long, but everybody, everyone was new, and we had a lot of things going on. But uh, I already have the next songs in line for the next project.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you'd already started writing. That's one of those kind of things, I guess, before you get the first one done, you've got you've already started on the second one.
3: Oh, Yeah, I have. Uh, at at this time, I have forty six songs. Wow. Like, forty six songs are already written, so I can just pull. And if I want something new, I'll sit down and. I'll write five or ten more. When I was in France, I just found myself, and we were doing a lot of traveling and just sit in the car and us write five songs today.
1: Well, it sounds five. like you learned a lot from Grady then. Good Lord, both of you were like, you never slow down.
3: Oh, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah. That... And I've never looked at it like that, but i you're right. <laughs> I learned a lot today. I learned a lot. The Grady Championship me got a lot. Um, and he told me if I needed to record in his studio, you know, he would do that. Wow. Um, but another artist that uh kinda I looked up to, I had opportunities to play with him once. And that's Mr. Sip. we played together at uh, Buddy Guys. Oh yeah. Yeah, we played together at Buddy Guys and I had an opportunities to play with him and just his style I love his style because he uh incorporates kind of their gospel style. That's what I grew up with. So his style of blues hit home for me. And then he's he he uh, he's been inspired by those B.B. King licks, something that when I first started playing, that was the first thing I wanted to do was play a B.B. King lick. So uh, seeing him and playing with him and talking with him, uh, that was a great opportunity as well. And seeing his showmanship and how he uh, takes on the stage, his approach to the blues and greatest approach to the blues. You know, they're different approaches, but uh, they're great in their own ways.
1: That's the advantage, and I, and I find this, and, I, and I, I'm I an artist, I draw also as well as being on the radio. It's one thing I love about living in Mississippi is the fact that we have such a great community of musicians and artists and writers that you can bump into them, and it's literally like you get a free education just getting to hang out with them. And everybody's usually yep. pretty nice about it, too. You need it is. Yeah. Uh,
3: well, and I've talked with, uh, I've interviewed for my senior project. You know, I sit down with Grady, uh uh, Jimmy Mays, I sit down with him and talk to Bobby Rush. Um, Jesse Robinson, Charles, Devin, I sit down and I talk him. Oh, wow. Dad. Yeah. Full, full recorded interviews with these guys and kind of hear their side of the story, how they feel about it, and, you know, just kind of getting what they've learned. Because I, I just had the opportunity to, you know, hang out with Muddy Waters or anybody. So, um, I've had the opportunity to meet his son and talk to them.
1: Well, Keith, man, I th- we've run out of time, and I hate that. Where can folks find you? What's your website?
3: Um, you can find me on, right now I'm in the process of work, working on a website, but you can find my Facebook fan page, Keith Johnson, Prince of the Delta Blues, uh, or Instagram, Keith Prince of the Delta Blues Johnson. And you can go on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, and download the TV, come to Mississippi. Q. Johnson, come to Mississippi. Or you can go on YouTube and find videos of our friends or
1: other we So just Google Keith Johnson and you're good. Keith, thank you so much for spending time with us. Man, I loved it. It's great. And I look forward to watching your career soar. Uh, if you missed any part of the show or want to hear past episodes, you can listen to mpbonline.org slash talking. Now You're Talking is, pro- is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by the amazing, wonderful, incredible Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for more Now You're Talking here at 10 a.m. only on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have an awesome week.